World Podcast number 337 for Wednesday, January 16th, 2013. again, everyone. I'm Philip Michaels. We're back from CES. We do not have the head cold that everyone seems to get at CES. And that's good because we want to talk to you about the world's largest consumer show. Traditionally, not a huge show for Macs. It's mostly Windows tablets and 4K TVs and the like. But there are a few things, most notably on the um, iOS and iPhone side of things. And I have two people here to talk to me about that. They have also survived CES. It's executive editor Jonathan Seff. Hello, Phil. And it's assistant editor Leah Yamshan. Hi, Phil. Hi. Did you both enjoy your CES experience this year? Blank, don't, blank, don't blank, all. angry stares don't at the host of the podcast. Once. Yes, let's, let's never speak of CES again, except for the next uh, little while as we, we talk about the things that we saw that will be of interest to our listeners. I, I know that Leia spent most of the week running around um, the massive convention center and sorted exhibition halls looking at iPhone cases. Oh, yes. So many iPhone so cases. So many iPhone I believe cases. one iPhone case for every member of the press attending CES, and there were so oh so many press people. So why don't you tell us about the ones that caught your eye? Sure. So one of the halls um, in the North Hall, it was called the iLounge Pavilion, and that whole area, it took up most of the hall, was just devoted to iOS accessories, and I would say 80% of those accessories were iPhone cases, um, mostly for the iPhone 5, as, as you would expect, but there was a lot still for the 4 and the 4S. Um, you know, a lot of people still have the 4 and the 4S. And they're still on, on sale, more to the point. Of course. Yeah. Um, and people still do break them, so they do need a case. Um, Phil, as you pointed out, most of the cases this year seem to be focused on keeping it safe from all sorts of harm, whether it's water damage or dropping a bowling ball on it or keeping dust and grime um, keeping it safe from the elements, uh, most of the cases we saw were rugged cases. And there was a lot of uh, really fun displays um, at CES where people were uh, testing these cases to the limits. Um, right. I, I have the video, of course, of uh, G-Form showing off their their material and how it protected M&Ms from harm when you dropped a bowling ball. So imagine what it can do with your... your uh, your delicate glass screen. And I'm always dropping bowling balls on my iOS devices, so that's, exactly. that's just for me. Exactly. Of course. My favorite booth um, that showed off rugged cases was actually the LifeProof booth. Um, they had this huge area with these different um, scenes set up. So there was like a little fake kitchen scene where they were baking cookies and throwing uh, flour like onto um, an iPad that was – uh, placed inside the LifeProof nude case, which I believe Lex Friedman reviewed for us not too long ago. But um, they were throwing flour and cookie dough and getting the case all dirty and showing that even when your hands are covered in baking stuff that you can still use the touch screen um, within the case and your iPad will be just fine. They had a doctor's office set up where um, uh, the, like a, there was a doctor's office, there was like a science lab kind of set up, and there was a um, fire like station set up at the doctor's office were they shooting x-rays that was i think that was kind of the point to show that it can um protect against the like Mm. doctor's equipment and things like that 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 was interesting so that your iphone doesn't become horribly mutated yeah i Um, i was kind of thinking they would throw some like fake blood on there but i didn't see anything mm. like that Um, what kind of doctor's office do you go to i mean (laughs) 
Only the most exciting ones, of course. Mm. Um, it, it's a, very much a trend this year was um, um, protecting your mobile devices, be they uh, iPhones or iPads or or even Android devices. I guess people want to protect. And um, one of the one of the big uh, uh, news announcements out of CES was uh, Corning with its new Gorilla Glass three uh, technology. I believe Corning actually supplies that to Apple. If I'm not mistaken, I'm looking around the yep. room for v- validation. I, I believe I that that right. um, that the Gorilla Glass is used on iOS devices and, and, keeping, and keeping them from getting it's scratched to and... make them uh, more scratch resistant. Um, because the the problem is not necessarily uh, scratches per se. I mean, there's a cosmetic uh, effect certainly, but it's it's that damage that goes beneath the the surface of the glass, so that the next time you drop it, that's what causes the shattering and the the tears and the uh, angry recriminations and um, uh, the grilling, the the grilling, the Gorilla Glass Three um, uh, reduces uh, the chances of that happening and makes it far more scratch resistant. And there's a there's a lovely demo up on our sites uh, showing uh, the Corning people firing uh, ball bearings into the the glass to to show how durable it is. So, uh, uh, Leah, any any other uh, cases stand out that don't involve uh, flour and, and and viscous bodily fluids being <laughs> flung at uh, at iPhones with abandon? Yeah, I actually saw a lot of uh, high end kind of luxury cases on display at CES, and I'm not sure if that was kind of just to show off that they can make these cases, or if there actually is a market for this. Um, iWave makes a line of of, um, custom cases that are covered in Swarovski crystals, and they had some on display that started at $300 and went up to $2,000. So if you're interested in showing off that you have that much money that you want to be toting around a $2,000 iPhone case, iWave is uh, is the case maker for you. Ready to take your money. Right. Yep. Mm. And they said that they're all uh, made to order, so they didn't actually make too many last year, but they're trying to get um, some more Well, it takes a long time to to bedazzle an entire case. It does take a long time to bedazzle a case, especially if you're using, you know, really expensive materials, I guess. Um, on on the iPhone front still, I I visited a booth for, uh, from LensPen. They, uh, they currently make something, I believe it's called the Sidekick, which is used to clean your iPad screen. They introduced it, uh, I want to say, in the 2011 Macworld. Well, it was then Macworld Expo. Now it's Macworld iWorld. And um, it's basically this uh, 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 carbon cartridge uh, on, a, on a handle, and you use it to polish your screen and remove smudges and, and what have you. And people were always coming up to the folks at Lens Pen and saying, and saying hey, can I, can I use that on my iPhone? And you really couldn't because it's a little bit oversized for the iPhone. So what they are doing is introducing the Smart Clear, which is the same product, only iPhone-sized. Um, it's going to be $10 when it ships. It's also going to be on display at Macworld, iWorld by the end of this month. And um, again, it's these little carbon pads on a, on a handle. Uh, they, you get about 150 uh, 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 cleanings per pad, uh, unlike your, your, your um, uh, cloths, which can get saturated with the, with the oils and the smuts and all the, all the stuff that goes on your screen. You have these little disposable things. It's a lot like uh, using a disposable razor, and there are replacement packages. and It's all, it's all very lovely, and it was a very nice display from the, from the good folks at uh, LensPen. 
anything else, Leah, that you uh, that you caught your eye? Um, one last uh, case maker that I saw that I thought was interesting. Um, there's this um, this manufacturer called Boost Case. And they have this whole boost case system where you start with a basic iPhone case um, that has two small holes in the back of it. And what you can do is you can buy attachments um, for the back. So if you want a case that's a little bit more rugged, you can buy the extra rugged attachment, put that on your case. If you find yourself just needing um, like a simple wallet case, take off the rugged piece, snap on a wallet. Um, the basic case, it's pretty cheap. It was 15 bucks, and then all these different attachments will run you anywhere from 20 to, I think, 90 which was this little purse thing. So I just thought that was an interesting um, solution for people that like to change up the look of their iPhone without spending a whole bunch of money on, on different pieces. John, did you see anything iPhone or iPad related, or what, did you spend most of your time uh, sur- surveying the, the the CES landscape for for interesting audio products? Well, <clears throat> yes and no. Oh, so there we go. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm out of here. No. Um, <laughs> so yes, while, while Leah was was um, looking at many many cases and some nice ones at that, uh, I was doing a lot of uh, meeting with a lot of audio people. And there's a lot of crossover there between the audio and the iOS stuff because this year there were a lot of um, lightning connector speaker docks. Oh. And, you know, there's there's millions and millions of 30-pin connector speaker docks out there. But now with this show is when the lightning docks really started to seem to really come out. So if you have a new – an iPhone 5, uh, an iPad mini, a new iPod Touch, and I believe the – latest generation of, of full-size iPad is also Lightning. Um, there's now a whole bunch of products for manually docking those and charging and playing the music. And uh, iHome had um, – they, they have a really nice setup for the press. It's not a booth. It's actually a off-the-show floor, quiet, serene environment where you go in and you walk around, and it's very nice, and you can actually look at the products and talk to the people and – so that that right there, you know, is a step above having to, you know, fight the masses on the show floor. But they had a lot of different uh, nice-looking docks, and they had one in particular that was really cool. It had two lightning docks, one for an iPhone, one for a full-size iPad. You can charge and charge both of them at the same time, play music from either one. And then there's also another USB port in the back that you can use to connect um, another another lightning device if you want, or an older legacy iOS device, and charge it as well and play the music from there. So you can charge three different devices at once, uh, dock two of them, use it to uh, set it as an alarm clock, use it to play music or playlists from your iOS device. And they have ones that have, you know, two docks or one dock, but that one was really kind of cool. Um, Philips also had a bunch of lightning dock accessories, really nice-looking speakers, very pretty, nicely designed and the other thing was, you know, this year I noticed a lot of Bluetooth speakers. Mm. And Bluetooth, of course, works with anything, but it works nicely with iOS devices too because uh, they have Bluetooth built in. So if you don't want to charge and dock, you can stream your music using Bluetooth. And uh, some companies that had previous products that had docks in them have come out with Bluetooth versions of them. iHome was, I had some of those and also... The House of Marley, uh, if you're not familiar with them, it's actually the, the Marley family. And that would be Bob and not Jacob. 
by the way. Yes, the the Bob Marley family, and uh, one of his sons was on hand uh, demoing, and they have these really cool, uh, bright, colorful products. They have uh, headphones, speaker docks, and they use really good materials, eco-friendly, recycled materials. And a lot of their products from last year, they've come out with new versions this year that have Bluetooth in them as well. So it just sort of extends those possibilities. So a lot of that kind of stuff uh, that that I saw, but a lot of cool audio products and, you know, good sounding stuff too, not just, hey, look, there's a dock, we can plug it in there and it charges your phone. And, oh, and it also has some speakers. You know, nice design that goes into them and good sounds. So. Right. I think uh, Jabra was showing off a new uh, new set of Bluetooth wireless headphones, the the Revo wireless. There's also a wired version, however, uh, the Revo, and those are those are due out in um, spring, sometime early in the second quarter. And the 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 selling point there is that they have Dolby Digital Plus technology, and also there's an app where you'll be able to import your music library for an improved sound experience over the uh, built-in uh, uh, music app on the on the iPhone. Also available for Android devices, for those of you still listening who have Android devices. Um, d- did you happen to see the, the, uh, the Blue Microphone exhibit, John? Um, I saw the Blue Microphone at one of the press events, the, I can, yes. the digital experience. Yes. Uh, one can, of those press events. Do you yeah. want to talk about it or shall I? Um, I have that, a, that would be the Nessie, right? This is the Nessie. This is the uh, the new uh, adaptive USB microphone for yeah. those of you with your own podcast. Yeah, I believe you know it's it's designed for sort of the the novice user, uh, someone who's going to be doing podcasts or other voice recordings. And the name Nessie comes from the fact that it has this long snaking neck that uh, makes it look a lot like the Loch Ness monster, mm-hmm. which is real. I tell you, yes. Um, and it, yeah, it looks really cool. It's got some, uh, some you know, features that make it a little bit more more user friendly for the for the novice, as I said. So, I don't know if you have anything to add on that. But oh yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's got a built in pop guard. So that ah, yes, if you say a lot of p words, then you perish the thought. Yes, you you won't have those those annoying pops that so often work their way into recordings. Um, there's shock mounting and we. we so so that if you start banging around on your table, it reduces some of what they call the gonks that can make their way into the audio track. And um, I think the, the, uh, the standout feature is probably there's, there's some basic processing that goes on, um, mixing and, and recording. Probably not stuff that's up to, to, to professional quality standards, obviously, but if you're, you're just recording a, a, a thing at home, it will make it sound good without forcing you to uh, to play around with the knobs and switches to to balance out your your recording. And it's going to be um, ninety nine dollars. I don't think it's out yet. I think sometime in the next few months. I believe they said uh, the first half of the year. First half of the year. So yeah. So certainly by June or July, look for the the Nessie from Blue Microphones. They make very very fine products. I find. Um, let's see. Apps. It's always a, it's, CES is kind of a hardware show in the past, and I think that's why it's lost some of its relevance, is that the, where the, where the action is now is, is on the app front. And I, I just wanted to see if anyone saw any interesting, uh, uh, mobile apps out there, or even, uh, even desktop apps. But Mostly what I saw on the app front was in the app accessory 
range. Oh, so yes. lots of um, accessories that have apps that go along with them or toys that are app-powered. Um, I didn't see too many standalone apps that really um, – jumped out but so t- tell us about the the app accessories uh the ones that caught your eye so many app toys that were really fun um fisher price has this new line of um of app-based toys they call it their activity toys and um there was this cool fortress thing that pairs with the ipad you clip the ipad into the place that um it comes with little figurines that you can move across the ipad case and there are not the iPad case. I'm sorry, the actual iPad screen. And there's an app that goes along with um, each of these toys. And um, there's different games that go with the app. You can use some of the interactive features of the playset, like a little cannonball to um, fire cannons at something in the game that makes it a little bit more interactive. Really fun. I would love to be a kid and and play with that stuff. I loved playing with that stuff as a 25 year old kind of adult. So it was awesome. A few years ago, I tested ones for. Um cars. Yeah, I and, remember and that. I, and I was quite – it was a little bit disappointing, but that was early days in the uh, the, the technology, so I'll, I'd be interested to see how it works now. Uh, Sphero has some new stuff. If you remember, they last year they made kind of a splash. They're the little um, ball that's controlled by your uh, iOS device, and their big push this year is in augmented reality games, where now the Sphero um, – uh, in one game, it becomes on your your iOS screen. It's a virtu- it's a beaver named Sharky that walks around uh, uh, your 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 the your apartment or your house and and gets into adventures and you can play around with Sharky. The one that I really liked was I believe it's called The Rolling Dead. It's not out yet, but it's a um, it's a zombie based game where basically these virtual zombies start attacking the Sphero and and you you get to to shoot them with fire and it's a, it's a fun little fun little thing drew a big crowd at the on the CES show floor there were um a couple of apps actually that that I spotted um that I'd like to talk about um both not yet released one is closer than the other so we'll talk about that mind meld which is a video and voice calling uh, app. Uh, it's going to be designed for the iPad, and it's coming out within a few weeks. And and what would be happening is we would be talking to each other through the app, just like any sort of uh, voice over IP app like a Skype. And the app is listening to our conversation and pulling up detail, pulling up things that are relevant. So if we were, say, talking about uh, going to Las Vegas for CES, it would be pulling up things about Las Vegas. Uh, and... One of the big drawbacks for apps like this is they really don't understand context well. So if we talk about Apple, it doesn't know whether we mean the the, the Cupertino-based hardware and software company or whether we we just really like fruit. But uh, the developers assure me that they that they've uh, gotten the context problem down and. Uh, We'll be able to see for ourselves in a few weeks. Um, what you do is you, it pulls up the information and you're able to share it with the other people in the call. So it, it's uh, sort of aimed at uh, uh, businesses can use it for, for meetings. Or you can use it for planning trips with your friends and family in far-flung locations. So it's a really interesting-looking app. And the other one, this was really in the early stages, but it's Atlas-powered, and it's a um, – I, I shouted with glee when I saw this because it is a uh, meeting scheduling software where you uh, 
it eliminates the the back and forths and, hey, you want to meet at this time? No, I'm busy at that time. How about this time? I'm busy at that time and so on until you just want to fall over dead with uh, a cold compress to your forehead. Instead, with this app, you uh, select a time for the meeting, but you also choose alternative times. And if the person you're inviting to this meeting is also using the app, it opens right there in their calendar and they can they can see if there's any sort of conflicts. It's really a, a slick-looking thing and uh, – it's about to enter beta, I believe. So there'll be more information on that to come, I'm sure. John, did you uh, did you see anything on the app front that you feel like talking about, or any any other CES products? Uh, like like Leah, you know, there, I saw some app accessory type of things, and uh, Philips has this new thing, and it's it's a wireless microphone and Bluetooth speaker meant to be and used with your iPad. And it's for sort of competitive karaoke or, or karaoke in general, but you can actually battle with your friends. And there's an app. Uh, when, called, will, when will the karaoke violence end? <laughs> karaoke on karaoke violence is a terrible thing. But uh, this this is a more friendly. Uh, there, there's an app. It's the Star Maker karaoke app uh, and and has auto-tune also just in case, you know, you, you don't know how to sing like most of us. But the idea is, it's got Speak this. Speak for yourself. Okay, well, like me. Mm-hmm. But so there, there's a so there's a, a a wireless speaker, and you run the app on your iPad, and it will display the the lyrics. And as you sing, it shows you how uh, on pitch you are and how much you're matching the actual song. So you get a score based on how how good your singing is, and you can compete with friends. You can then share uh, the audio recording of yourself on Facebook. And send it to your friends. So that might be something you, you might want to do that, Phil, with your with your great voice. And yes. I, I would probably turn off all the sharing features. But you know, a cool use of uh, of an app to go along with hardware and iOS device. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Magellan's Smart GPS uh, offering, which is a a standalone GPS device. But there's going to be apps released for it as well. Uh, and it has a, a, a cloud-based aspect to where all the information is syncing back and forth between your standalone GPS device and your mobile phone so that when you um, uh, get to park your car, which is often not at the same site as uh, as your route, your, uh, your uh, uh, standalone GPS device can sync up with your phone and give you the, the information to, to, to show you the rest of the way. And there are some other neat features with smart GPS that uh, – uh, pull in location-based information that uh, improve upon the the points of interest that are often not very interesting or informative for uh, for GPS users. So keep an eye out for that. It's coming out later this spring, around about April. Uh, Leah, this was your first uh, CES, was it not? It was. It was also my first CES. Really? After, yes, after thirteen huh. years. Well, for. For 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 a very long time, CES was held the same time as MacWorld Expo, and uh, that's that's the more relevant event to my life. So I went to that one instead, and so this this finally was the uh, was the first one I went to. I, I would I would love to hear your brief impressions of this sprawling, massive, uh, very uh, very crowded trade show. Oh my gosh. Um... It was – I think it was what I was expecting it to be. Um, the first day on the show floor, the, it actually opened on Tuesday. 
And um, I made the mistake of going to the South Hall, which is the largest of the three halls. And it's actually broken into like four sections. And uh, I had a meeting in the morning and I ran to my meeting. And once that was over, I couldn't tell where I was. I was just kind of in the middle of the show floor, a little lost. So after uh, wandering around and checking out some stuff and kind of getting my bearings, I actually had a lot more fun than I thought I would. Mm. There's a lot to see. A lot of it is just really silly, fun gadgets um so I, I kept forgetting that i was like actually there to work because i would be playing with some robot thing and then realize like oh yeah i need to go write about this now um it was overwhelming i only would want to do it once a year i uh it was an experience for sure <laughs> mm. john you're a you're a savvy veteran of ces didn't I've... get stuck in an elevator this year i no. I, I hear no. Uh, that, yeah, my last trip to CES, uh, I spent uh, an hour and a half trapped in an elevator with uh, with senior editor Dan Frakes and a woman from Twitter who works right near our office. And yet ha- did not have Twitter on her phone to alert uh, her, co- her, her, her Her battery was dying, oh, actually, could, because she didn't have an iPhone. The so recurring theme of CES is everybody's batteries die all the yeah. time. Uh, yeah, so I've been there before, so I knew what to expect and, you know, knew some of the – the, the tricks, uh, you know, to, to make it through. But, you know, one thing this year is I spent very little time on the show floor because so many of the meetings and so much happens outside of the Las Vegas Convention Center. The um, A lot of the audio, especially higher-end audio vendors, were um, in the Venetian Hotel in one of the towers, and they had, uh, I don't know, the 34th floor or whatever it was, and as you walk down these narrow, long hallways, there's little signs above each room. Like there were just dozens and dozens of these audio vendors in these suites up there. So I spent a bunch of time there and a bunch of time at some other off-site, you, you can call it demos, because the show is so big that you, you know, it, it's not contained in the, one, in the one giant convention center. And also for things like audio, you can't hear anything on the show floor. So if you actually want to show people what a product sounds like and really give them a little bit of a of a demo and talk about it, that has to be done in a different location. So, you know, there was press day at the Mandalay Bay and stuff at the Venetian, stuff at the at this and that, and the, you know, the, just every hotel and every space in Vegas. And a lot of people don't actually exhibit on the show floor either. They just go there, get a suite, and they invite people to come look at stuff there, and that's their that's their CES experience. So. You know, I sort of knew that going into it, made sure to cluster everything in the, in the, the right places, brought my comfy shoes, and, uh, you know, ma- made sure, you know, you, you're not going to be able to get a cab in the evening, so make sure you uh, feel comfortable walking a mile and a half down the strip back to your hotel. Mm. So, you know. The um, the mic- Microsoft wasn't there this year in, in any formal way. They didn't do the keynote. Uh, was there a different vibe at CES because of that? I, I realized that we don't necessarily uh, – Live and die by Microsoft, say so here at the Macworld podcast. But I mean, I've been to the Microsoft booth at previous shows, mm-hmm. and it was a huge presence. It was, you know, like a, a corner of of the hall, and it was this giant booth, and and you know, Microsoft had a big presence. And dropping out of uh, the show and the keynote, I think you know, Steve Ballmer showed up at. Uh, he dropped in on the Qualcomm keynote, and yeah. and one of my greatest regrets is not attending that because apparently. Best oh, keynote we met, ever. We missed out. <laughs> Apparently, a bit of a train wreck from from uh, what I hear. Indeed. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, the Qualcomm booth was massive, though. It yeah. was it was the first thing you saw when you walked in um, to the South Hall and you saw the big Sesame Street sign greeting you along with all of the other Qualcomm stuff. So I think they, they did their best to step up in Microsoft's absence. And, and the Sony booth, because I went to the, mm-hmm. the Sony press conference um, where the um, where the Showcase 4K uh, OLED TV uh, blue screened during the demo. Yeah. Um, but that that Sony booth, man, that could have applied that could have uh, applied for admission into the union. It was so large, it was uh, massive, massive space. Yeah, I feel sorry for the people who have to come to see us from much further away from San than San Francisco, because mm-hmm. just getting there for us, you know, people that have to come from all over the world, I you know, and then I. I watch their Twitter feeds and the four planes they have to take to get home afterwards and getting stuck in layovers and weather and all that stuff, even people just on the East Coast. So I'm very glad that, <clears throat> that it's relatively close to us. But I hope next year CES will be um, in Hawaii where it belongs. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, there you have it, listeners who have always thought of going to CES. Uh, an entire week's worth of products distilled into a half hour of your time. I hope it was as informative for you as um, – it was fun for us, and it was fun. Um, I'd like to thank Leah Yamshan. Thank you, Phil. Uh, John Seth. Thank you. And you, listener, for, for tuning in. We'll be back again with the Macworld Podcast next time. Until then, take care. 